Hey, Ascent. Oh, man, we miss you guys so much. Welcome back. I know, gosh, here we are again, right? Uh, weeks of this now, and uh, we just want to say we can't wait to get back together with you. Uh, but we wanted to try something a little different this week. And honestly, I just, I actually could not bear the thought of seeing my face on the screen, you know, for another like 20 some minutes. So uh, instead, we're going to try something new. Uh, I got some friends here with me, and uh, we're going to have a little bit more of a conversation. Here's what I'm praying for. I'm praying that these next 20 or so minutes actually draw us closer to God, that we don't just know more about God, we know God more uh, because of this time. And I, I can't wait to dive into that. We actually, last week, Bill started a new series called Where Are You At? And it, it's, the idea is kind of where are we at, uh, where are we at in all of this? But God, where are you at? Where is God in all of this? We got to ask that question. And we want to start and dive into that today. God, where are you at in all this? Uh, so first, um, I want to introduce some folks to you, some friends. Um, one of them you're going to know well. Uh, but what I want to do is I just want to go around and just have them introduce themselves, tell us how long they've been around Ascent, and then one thing that you guys are doing right now that you wouldn't have done uh, otherwise if it hadn't been for all this. So Mo, why don't we start with you? What's up, Ascent family? My name is Maurice. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. I've been here four years. As soon as we hit May, it has been four years. Me and my wife have been out here, moved from California. Uh, some of you may know me. You can call me Mo. Um, one of the things that we have done, me and my wife, during this quarantine time that we would have never done uh, is we're learning Spanish, Espanol. I'm trying to increase my Spanish. We would have never done that. We got a whole mentor and Duolingo and all sorts of things. Muy so, bien, Maurice. Muy bien. Like Me llamo it, Mauricio. Yeah. So that's been a good one that we've been doing. So. Jaime Dulce. Okay. Oh, all right. <laughs> what about you, Mindy? Impressive. Impressive. So my name is Mindy Caliguire. I've been here at Ascent for about five and a half years and love being involved in this community. In terms of uh, something that we've never done or I would never have been doing. Our, we have a pretty large group of people who are sheltering at home together uh, in place. And for us, uh, somebody had the wild idea on one Tuesday night to zoom in with a couple of other friends around the country and all of us together watch a Bob Ross video. Oh, and go. so we had all yeah. our acrylics <laughs> out and we were sharing and, and nice. our household came up with six different versions of the Bob Ross picture none of which uh, looked terribly too much like the original, but it was a lot of fun. And I've never in my life done that before, so. Well, uh, yeah, so I'm Judson Poling. Uh, been here the least of all y'all. Uh, got here two years ago. We moved actually from uh, Illinois, chasing our grandsons out here. And so we've been in Colorado for two years and at Ascent for two years. First church we came to and it's been home ever since. That's cool. So what do you do? Yeah, tell us one thing. Well, so uh, watching the internet, uh, like we're all doing a lot more of, I came across this really cool video of a thing called Dalgona Coffee, oh, yeah. where you put some sugar and some coffee, like ground coffee, and uh, just basically water, and you just whip it for like about seven minutes, and you get this frothy kind of cool coffee, instant coffee stuff, and you slap it on a cup of milk, and it's great. Nice. Make those for my wife. I'm really, no, it's cold. Oh. Cold, really good. Very easy. Well, so just for the record, uh, I got two teenage boys, and we have decided that we are going to chart out the next phase of the Marvel movies. So we have figured out Black Panther 2, we've figured out Captain Marvel 2, 
And it is looking good, you guys. Uh, so Kevin Feige, if you're watching this, you need to call me, okay? Because I got it. I got you. Um, well, so there's actually some fun things uh, for us, anyway, that have come out of all the stuff with COVID-19. and uh, But obviously, the reality is there's so much pain right now. And um, we could talk about all the things that are, are you know, difficult. Um, and, and many of us, I'm sure, watching this or in the circle have been affected in some way that's very negative. Um, it brings the question of where does God fit in all this? Mm. It, it, you have to be asking that right now. And, and I, this is going to sound so strange maybe, but for me, as I think about suffering and pain that human beings go through, um, I can, I, can, I can make more sense out of stuff that involves human choice. So as terrible as something like a 9-11 is, or as awful as like a kid walks into a school with a gun is, there's something about it where I go, okay, at least I know that God gave human beings the choice to do either follow them or not, and that person's choosing not to, and that's causing harm. In this case... Who's choosing this? No one's choosing this. It feels random. And so God, it's like, okay, God, like, where's the purpose? Where's the point? And so I've even seen, you know, you can look around and you can see where uh, we are grappling as a culture to try to figure out the meaning behind all this. Um, some of the things I've seen out there really kind of feels like they're saying a little bit that God is initiating this. God somehow is um, saying, Hey, you know, I want you guys to learn something, so I brought this about. God is teaching us this through that. And I'm not saying that God can't, can't use it, but the question of who initiated it is important. I want to read you something. Uh, this is from John chapter 9, because this question's been going on forever. Mm -hmm. um, this is from John chapter 9. It's a story about Jesus talking uh, to some folks where he comes upon a boy who um, was born blind. And so listen to this from John chapter 9. It says, Jesus was walking along. He saw a man who had been born blind from birth. Uh, Rabbi, his disciples asked him, right? Rabbi means teacher. Uh, his, his, so Jesus' followers asked him, Rabbi, why was this man born blind? Now look, look what they said. They gave him two choices. Mm -hmm. Was it because of his own sin? Okay, so did, did he sin in the womb? That's basically what they think about it. That's what they're asking, right? Was it because of his own sin, or was it because of his parents' sin? So, read between the lines. What, what they're saying is, and this is 2,000 years old, but we're still doing it today. We're, we're, we're trying to say, okay, if, this, if something bad happened and it feels random, like somebody being born blind, it must be because God initiated it, and it must be because of some kind of punishment, right? This is what's happening right here in the scripture. So my question is, when you look at something like this, how do you make sense of it? Did God initiate this? Because, guys, this is so important for us to understand the God that we're interacting with and praying to, right? This tells something about God's personality. Was this God, is this initiated by God? How does this randomness work? I'm going to just start letting you guys talk. So, but there's the question on the table. I feel like we need the Jeopardy theme song right that's now that's to that's kick that's in. Yeah. So, <laughs> here's what's good about what just happened. So silence is actually a really good thing in the face of this question. 
there's a humility that we have to, uh, you know, attach to this. Yeah. There's a certain respect to say a quick, easy answer is going to be the wrong one. Yeah. I'm pretty sure of that, just like they did. Right. And we actually have an example in the book of Job, you know, the longest, one of the longest books in the Bible uh, is all about this problem, the same problem of suffering. And every answer that could possibly be given is given to Job about why he's suffering. And all of his friends, you know, come up with all these solutions and they come up with a very similar thing, which is there's some kind of causality here. God did this. And at the end of the book, the one thing we learn is all of those answers are wrong. They're all wrong. To, to pin that kind of stuff that's happening and suffering on God is to misunderstand how the universe works. So I think that's a, that's a place to start is what's the wrong answer? The wrong answer is God did it. I think that's huge because for those of us that have been affected by this in some way, uh, you know, I, gosh, I've had stuff happen in my life that was hard and I was given a real simple canned answer. And actually, to be honest, it just, it just really ticked me off, you know, and it got me to the point where I'm like, well, if that's how God works, then, you know, yeah, yeah. we got to just address that it's a hard question, that it's not just a I got a. XYZ answer, right? And it's a hard one. And one of the things that it brings me to is anybody that, you know, can give a cookie cutter answer, beware of, watch out. Um, but there's also, I believe, a, um, of some room for mystery in all that's taking place. And, and one of the things that gives me hope in that is First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 9, it talks about how we know in part and our thoughts, our, our um, knowledge is fragmented. It goes on and says that we know in part, we prophesy in part, uh, and completion will come when Jesus comes and the, the whole story and all those things. But it, it lets us know that we don't know everything. I would totally agree that that potential is there and that the silence and the sort of holding space for really hard things is an important skill for us. And it's very uncomfortable to, to hold space when there's pain and when there's suffering and we all want to go in and alleviate pain and we want to, you know, have meaning, you know, as human beings, we like to make meaning out of things. And so we're likely going to want to try to assign meaning, which is what happened in Jesus day and happens now. But actually, I I, so, so the Bible does say some things that we can hold on to. Now they don't, they're, they're more like a doctor diagnosing the problem. They don't necessarily solve it for the emotional side of us, but they, they do speak and they make sense. So for me, I look at the world and I go, okay, Let's just, for argument's sake, say there, there's no God, that stuff is just random, you know, that, that that is what explains it. There is no, you know, there's no rhyme or reason, no meaning to it. My problem with that is that then, then where does our sense of moral outrage come from? I mean, if there's no God, if there's no moral system, then we have nothing to blame him for because he doesn't exist and there's nothing to, you know, there, there's no moral system to the universe. Everything's random. Anyway, it's just all chance. So the fact that we have some sort of objection to that or some sort of sense of this is bad all it is is just events that are happening so I, I actually think in a paradoxical way the fact that we feel a pushback against mm. this that we say something's wrong here tells us we live in a universe where right and wrong actually matter mm -hmm. of course scripture tells us that god created the universe good he created it beautiful he created it to work and that part of the problem was when humankind came in the scene and we messed up ourselves morally that we actually, that spills out over into the created universe. And we know this from like stuff like pollution. I make choices, I pollute a river, someone downriver pays the price for my pollution. That's how the universe works. When we do bad stuff, 
it spills out over. And the Bible tells us that's, that's what we're experiencing in human history, that God made us good, we've turned against him, and it's affected creation, including diseases and sickness and death and all that kind of stuff. And we also have the hope in Jesus that there's a day coming when this is going to be turned around. So we also hold on to that. When you talk about purpose, Justin, it reminds me of even in that story, uh, they're asking, did he do it? Did his parents do it? And Jesus' response he almost kind of gives a third way, a third kind of option there. Um, and he says, this happened so that my glory can be revealed to this person. Now, what I believe he's not saying is, oh, I did this and that's why this is taking place. I believe what he's saying. He actually doesn't answer their question as far as did he do it or his parents does well, it. Well, he actually says it was not because of his sins or his parents' right. sins. Right, yeah. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. So you're dead, right? Yeah, yeah. So he, he kind of denies their claims, and then he gives this other option, and I believe what he leans into as far as purpose goes is that God is one that will take tragedy, take, take something like suffering, and repurpose it. And, you know, I like, I like call him the great recycler, right? Like God is one who will recycle. We love recycling. It's Boulder County, right? <laughs> so we love to recycle. But God is one who will take something that one person would use as waste, and he chooses to recycle it, repurpose it for our good. I, and I, that, to me, is one of the things I love the most about God. I love that yeah, <laughs> about, yeah. about God. Yeah. I love that he takes the crap, right? And Zero waste. It, yeah, yeah, like yeah. just but turns into something great. Mm -hmm. What's so challenging is when you're in the midst of it, seeing that, like, I mean, I even, um, we had a case where uh, Karen and I had a miscarriage and it was brutal. Anybody who's been through that knows that, right? And it's so much more common than people know. And, but it's this weird loss that we don't talk about. And I remember sharing it with somebody who said to me, hey, you know, uh, God's gonna do something great with that. And that was their first response. I was not in a space to hear that. I was in a space to hear this is this sucks. Like this right, is terrible. Right, right, right. I believe a Christian response in moments like these that we should lean into the most when we see scripture that says weep with those that weep and yeah. mourn with those that are mourning. It doesn't say provide the perfect answer. It doesn't say give me the the most theological, you know, biblical answer and it's going to fit yeah. in perfect. Nothing in that moment is really going to satisfy a pain that's like that. And we all have to move from a place where something that's intellectual to the heart space. Right. And I think that's the holy part about scripture when we see that we can mourn with those that mourn and weep with those that are weeping. And maybe just maybe in that as they see this person be in with them on that level, we can invite them to, hey, there is something beyond our understanding on certain things, right? But an initial answer of God is good and just because, like I think, like I said, we should watch our approach and our response in moments like these, but it's something so holy about just being, being there with, humi with humanity, yeah. just being with someone. Yeah. It's what well, Jesus did. Well, and, and what Jesus said there, it's important. He said, this happened so that, mm. but like, he did not say God did this. Yes, so yes. That. That's a big difference. And, you know, to your point, we are most like Jesus, not when we give the answers. Mm. Think about how many times Jesus asked a question. <laughs> that's actually when we're most that's like good. Jesus. We ask really good questions yeah. and wait for the answer to come.
And those all uh, suppose sort of an environment where somebody's surfacing their pain and we have an opportunity to like respond to them. A lot of us, I think, in this COVID scenario and, and in other situations are sort of encountering a lot of our pain in private, in our own, um, just talking to some friends and sharing some of my own story and hearing theirs. You know, those midnight hours when you're waking up in the middle of the night and your head starts going to the economy and the financial realities and friends or family members who are suffering with illness and not necessarily in a very safe place. How my community surrounds me in those times of pain is one thing, but I think I, I'm learning the need that I have to sort of welcome God's presence with me. Kind of you talked about a couple of weeks ago, welcome God's presence with me in the midst of that pain or that, that tragedy or potential tragedy, rather than try to figure out how to turn all happy and then go talk to God about something, right? And like learning to, that's for me in the Psalms, the, the aching, searing record of someone's disillusionment or pain or frustration or even deep hopelessness um, is actually reassuring to me. I wrote a post this week. Um, we just send out an email every morning to people. I wrote a post this week that talked about how we need to lament to God even about the things we think are little, you know? So like, I'm mad that I can't go fishing right now. Um, well, you know, I have to temporarily give up a hobby, but there's people permanently losing their businesses. So I feel guilty about lamenting that, you know? But if you think about it, like, if I just hold that in and I don't have a conversation with God, that becomes bitterness. That, that blooms. It's, it's like any relationship, right? If, if you and I have an issue and I don't actually talk to you about it, it's just going to build and build until we blow up. And I, I got an email after this post. This, uh, somebody wrote me in our church who said, I learned at age 12, she's in her 70s, I learned at age 12 to not bother God with little things. Mm. And she said, today I finally learned the opposite. Oh. And, and, and I just, my heart broke of just like, gosh, God so much wants our lament, so much wants to talk to us, is so much in it with us. Yeah, yeah. And not kind of just this intellectual level, but right. that's the whole message of the gospel is that God came into the world, into our mess, and he's in there right now. I am not an expert on all the different world religions, but the, the surface level study that I've done and learning um, is, is a fascinating um, a way to look at how different worldviews consider the place of and, and, and spiritual reality of suffering. And it is just such, I mean, we just a few weeks after Easter and to see in the Christian faith is a God who is no stranger to suffering, has even entered suffering on our behalf in a very powerful way. And opens up to us a way of connecting with God such that in our own suffering, we can meet with him, exactly what you had shared with us. And that's not like some faiths worldwide are really about like either learning to ignore your suffering or deny yeah. it. You can or explain work your way there. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Judson, you have a way of explaining that. I know. That well, there was a, I heard a great parable years ago, and I don't even know the or, origin of it, but it, the story is a guy's uh, stuck in this pit in the middle of a path, and he's down in this pit. He can't get out of the pit. And so people come walking by, and they all give him the answer to his problem. The first people that come along are, are people that just don't even believe in any God or anything. It's just the universe is random. So they look down at this poor guy in the pit, and they go, well, you know, this is just your lot. This is just what happened to you. 
uh, you know, there's nothing you could do. You shouldn't complain. <laughs> so just accept it. Why are you yeah. complaining? That's one answer. So then, then along comes a religious uh, group and, you know, they tell them, oh, well, you need to follow our rules and here's this book of instructions and all that kind of thing. Of course, they hand that to him and he's stuck there down in the pit. He's, he's, what difference does it make to follow a bunch of rules? You're still in the pit. You know, and then, then comes in one religious system that says, well, uh, you know, the problem is you want to get out of that pit. And if you just surrender all that desire to get out of that pit and just accept the reality of the pit, <laughs> you'll be a happy person. Right. So, Detach so it's like from it all. Very yeah. yeah, your very desire to get out of the pit. Yeah. Your desires are wrong. You know, they're, they're what are getting in the way of your happiness. And then comes Jesus. And he sees the man in the pit. And what does he do? He gets down in the pit with him. And on his shoulders, he lifts the man out of the pit. And I really do think that's what's unique about Christianity is we have a God who comes into the pit with us. And that's what Easter is about. That's what Good Friday and Easter is about is that he gets into the pit with us. He dies for us. He's in the mess. Jesus took all of the pain that, and he lived in the painful life that we all have and died to show God's not above suffering. And then says, I'm the way out of the pit. There's not rules. Your desires for getting out are wrong. And it's not just random, I'm at work in this. You know why I think that's so important is, you know, especially for gospel being something that is for everyone. And when you think about different communities, especially ones that may be marginalized, uh, rhetoric has sometimes always been sprinkled around of accept your reality, right? Kind of like, as long as you, you know, hey, just focus on him, the plight of what you're facing, don't desire anything else, just, it's him, just desire him. Um, but the message that he comes in, it, what, what it reminds me of is when Jesus, you know, he heard about um, his friend passing away. And the Bible talks about when Jesus weeps, right? And he's moved to compassion and you see Jesus weep. And not only that, he keeps on moving to the cross. It doesn't stop him. It doesn't, you know, keep him from moving to action, right? And so it wasn't a, um, a moment of, hey, that's sorry, that's bad for you, whatever the case may be. But he's filled with compassion, but he does something about that. He moves towards um, being the one to come rescue us out of that pit. And so I think there's a message that is very key in times like this, that it's not just accept your reality. It's you have God's presence with you. Anytime when you see, especially in the Old Testament narratives, up until now, um, there was always a battle that they were facing, right? And they were like, what do we do? What do we do? And he says, don't worry, I'm with you. And that was it. It was my presence is with you. And I think there's something to be said that he comes near, right? God with us. That Christmas message of Emmanuel is so key, especially when we have rhetoric around just accept your reality. So I think that's really important. Well, and I, I just love this idea that God is with us. And I think right now, especially for so many, we all need to develop those practices of like, how do we walk with God during this time? I, I want to look at you, Mindy, because you love, I mean, this is something that you love. Right up your so lane. Great. Yeah, like how, how would you help us know, like give us something practical that we can be doing right now that reminds us that God is with us? Yeah, 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 happy to. Um, for me, kind of like the Psalms, there's a couple of things that come to mind. One is just that practice of giving voice to your pain um, in a lament when it's directed in a conversation with God, right? It's not just a complaint train that you're just 
you know, completely focused on negativity. But in the context of prayer, usually in the pages of a journal for me, is an opportunity to just ache with God and bring him my requests. We're invited by our God to lay our requests before him, to, to not just say, oh, I should just accept these circumstances, but to say, God, my preference would be for this. And, and anyway, so for me, a form of prayer and of lament can often happen in, in the pages of a journal, usually early in the morning. Um, I find it helpful, just a couple of things. I'll, I'll give us a couple practical things. Another that I find really helpful in the middle of the night especially is, um, is the words to the 23rd Psalm and praying through the 23rd Psalm in the middle of the night. And you can look it up on your phone because you probably have your phone right next to your bed <laughs> if you don't remember the details. But to, to be praying through the Lord is my shepherd, I can lack nothing. I, I might have lack around me, but I can be fundamentally well because the Lord is my shepherd. And just to use that psalm as a springboard for prayer in the middle of the night has been very helpful to me. And then the last thing I find really helpful in, in the, sort of the space we talked about at the very beginning of silence and, and letting God be with us in a painful place, I have found it to be very, very helpful in, in the mornings and have worked with lots of other people to come into a, a form of prayer that I just call silent prayer that we see modeled in uh, Psalm 131 in verse 2 where it says, I've stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child on its parent's lap. And to learn, um, we have such a noisy world, right? And to let the noise floor of our lives kind of drop and intentionally just be very much with the presence of our living God, the Trinitarian God, uh, Father, Son, and Spirit, but just to rest my soul, a wordless way of resting my soul in God's presence, uh, in silence, is an incredible practice that helps me stay connected to God, um, even in the busyness of days and even in the midst of suffering. We, we train our soul to know how to be with God no matter what. So Mindy, you talking about those practices reminds me of something that when my daughter was little and she'd have a nightmare, you know, uh, I would, I'd hear her and we'd get out of bed, you know, I'd get out of bed and go in there. And the very first thing I do when she's scared in bed is I don't try to talk her out of the nightmare. I don't explain what nightmares are. I don't say, well, there's really no monster there, but that's your brain firing at night and it's your amygdala and your limbic system yeah. trying to work out. So I don't get into all that. The first thing I do is I just come to her and I hold her and I just say daddy's here that is here daddy's here that's the place that we start and I think that's God wants to teach us daddy's here he wants to be with us in the pain and frankly I also think there's a lesson for us in how we're with each other that yeah we might have some explanations but I don't think that's where we start I think we start with I'm here and then when we're alone father are you here are you with me and I want that sensation. And I believe that's where we need to start. And I think that's where God wants to start. He wants to come to us and let us know he's there with us. You know, I think that's such a perfect way to say it. And for a bunch of you who are watching as you think about this, that's the bottom line, right? Um, for some of us, you're hurting right now and this whole conversation isn't hypothetical. This is, you're in pain and something's going on or somebody that you love is going through it right now. Um, and we want you to hear, Daddy's here, right? That word, you've, you heard a bunch in this, the word compassion uh, literally means to suffer with. 
Jesus, you guys, is in the midst with us. Jesus is suffering with us. Daddy is here and holding on. I love one of the best descriptions in the Old Testament of God that I love is this, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord is compassionate, a slow to anger, abounding in love and mercy. Again, there's that word, compassion to suffer with. Daddy is here. Guys, God bless you. Uh, we love you guys, and I, we hope that uh, out of this, maybe there's something you can take away to, to deepen your relationship with Jesus, and most of all, to remember that your God is with you during this. So thanks for listening in.